this idea of separation is something that we are all dealing with right now that that we've never really dealt with before at least in american history it's been it's never been like this where where we can't go see our friends or our families maybe sometimes you don't want to see your friends or your family but we've never never in our history have we been forced to separate from one another and and it brings to mind this and it's at the heart of what we're going to look at in the bible today imagine being completely separated from god i was tempted this week to to kind of pivot from our current sermon series on the seven sayings of Jesus and, and and to just pick another passage that kind of brings hope and peace and you know joy in this this difficult time and I know a lot of pastors are doing that I think it's important I think it's good I actually uh, talked to the local newspaper last night I think and uh, and told them I think pastors would be tone deaf if they weren't addressing the things that people are fearing and and feeling and dealing with because of this lockdown that we're experiencing right now but but as i turn to the the words of jesus the fourth saying from the cross i i saw how beautifully it connects to exactly what we're facing right now and in some ways what we'll see in jesus words tonight is illustrated by what we're currently facing and in some ways it is the perfect anecdote for what we are currently facing. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to make a big deal about Jesus. I believe that when we make a big deal about Jesus, all of the fears and the worries and the struggles and the hurts and the pains, they kind of drift to the back of our minds. I quoted this hymn a few weeks ago, but I want to do it again. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And today as we look at the fourth saying of Jesus from the cross, it is all about his incredible grace. This fourth saying is different than the first three sayings. One chapter of one of the books I've been using for this series to to learn and and to research for this series was called Love That Questions. This is the only one of the seven sayings that's recorded for us in more than one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the central statement of Jesus from the cross and that there's three before it and there's three after it. I don't know if these things make it more worth paying attention to, but I think the contents of Jesus' seventh saying make it of the utmost importance. It is important for what we are facing today, but is also important for what we face in eternity. I'm going to read the passage in Mark first, just so we can get a, a holistic kind of view of it, and then I'll break it down in Matthew. Here is the story of Jesus foresaying in the book of Mark. Mark 15, through 34. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? 
I think that the words Jesus speaks from the cross, not just this one, but all seven, they give us really a comprehensive view of what Jesus is like and what he is doing for the world. In the book Gold from Golgotha, which I've quoted a lot in this series so far, the author says this, he spoke several times, a complete interpretation, not a word too many or a word too few. Uh, The first three statements, interestingly, are said before this darkness falls upon the land. And the last three statements will be said after the darkness has lifted. But this one, in the center of the seven sayings, is said while the world is in complete and utter darkness. The first, fourth, and seventh statements are prayers. And, and I think that's important. I think one of the things that makes that important is that here, as we'll see in just a minute, Jesus' language is different than the other prayers that he prays from the cross. Here we have a prayer that I think each of us, in fact, can connect with. In Matthew twenty-seven forty-five, we read, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Three of the four gospel writers record this darkness for us. I think that means that it's important and we should pay attention to it, but what we make of it, I'm not exactly sure. We know that Jesus' body is probably lifeless at this point, that, that, that his breathing is becoming more labored and that he doesn't have much longer to live it seems that the world around him has grown silent. We, we saw in the beginning that the crowds were jeering him. And, and we saw last week that, that, that there was a few disciples, women, and his mom that were kind of hanging around with him. But now it seems that people, if they are there, are not saying much. They're just waiting for him to breathe his final breath. I don't know if you've ever been in the room when somebody's died, but I actually have just one time, and it was my grandpa. My grandpa died while my uncle and my dad and I were in the room, and there was a long stretch where we thought it would be his final breath, and then he would continue to breathe until finally uh, there was no more breath in him. I think this is exactly the moment in which, which Jesus cries out from. It's, it's in that last kind of final minutes, even hours of his life. And, and these people are just waiting for him to breathe his last. But he still has a few things left to say. It is clear that this is a miraculous darkness I don't know if you remember, I hope you do, because it was one of the most stunning things I've ever experienced, but the eclipse that we all celebrated a few years ago, those were um, better times than we are facing right now. But I remember going into the total eclipse uh, in in my hometown, Kaiser, and knowing that it was going to be a total eclipse there, and, and, and understanding that people were making a big deal about it. Kaiser was on the map, it was... Uh, before we had an In-N-Out burger and people were excited about the city I grew up in and and I was just kind of thinking like, so the world goes dark for a little bit. I mean, how crazy can it really be? And then, and then the eclipse happened and it was magnificent in every way. It was really worshipful, like that God could do something so incredible in creation that could stop everybody who was experiencing it and cause them to be silent. What we see here in this story is not an eclipse, it's supernatural, but it makes us stop and, and 
Look at the situation and, and the magnitude that it deserves. Look at the words that Jesus is going to utter in the midst of this darkness with the weight and the severity that they are intended. This darkness for sure demonstrates the tear in which this situation is taking place, the tear that Jesus is facing on the cross. But it also is a demonstration of the fact that the world is in darkness because of its sin. It's a reminder in some ways that the light of the world is now hanging on the cross and he is about to die. And with him, it will appear that the light has gone away forever. The darkness meant judgment. And the one Jesus, the one that we serve called Jesus, is paying that judgment for our sins. Michael J. Wilkins, an author who wrote a commentary on the book of Matthew, he says that the connection, about the connection of the saying and the darkness, the darkness is a symbol of its agonizing content. The darkness is symbolic of what Jesus is going to say as he is hanging there on the cross. And this is what he says in Matthew 27, 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is interesting here that Jesus calls God, God. That would not be interesting for us, but it is for him. You may remember if you've been following along in this series that in his first words from the cross, he, he said, Father. He prays and he says, Father. In his final word on the cross, he's going to say, Father again. Jesus spent the entirety of his adult ministry calling God Father, but now in this horrible moment, he uses this Greek word theos, which is the most common and generic word for God in the New Testament, a word that was taken from the Greeks and applied to the real God. And it just begs the question, why? And I think in these moments, while Jesus still recognizes God as his father, he understands that the father is no longer treating him as a son, and it's a heartbreaking moment. He understands in this moment he is feeling the fullness of God's wrath, that he is being quarantined and segregated from his heavenly father. This is a heavy idea. Jesus being God in human form is now separated from God the Father in heaven. It's complex, but it's important. He quotes here from Psalm 22, 1. I preached on this psalm in college, and so I'm kind of fond of it. And Psalm 22, 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Notice that the farness of God from Jesus. Now here's the reality. Most Jewish people, including Jesus himself, when they heard the first verse of a psalm, they would have known the contents of the entire psalm. And what makes that so cool in this moment is it says two things. One, it shows us that God had planned this for centuries and centuries before it took place. The death of Jesus was not a surprise. It was something that was ordained long ago. It was something that was planned long ago so that the world could be saved from the sin that it lived under forever. 
But it also reminds us of victory. The Psalm 22 continues past the death of Jesus and speaks of, of really the resurrection of Jesus and the victory that he will bring. You should read Psalm 22. But right now I need you to understand that it does two things. One, it shows us that the death of Jesus was long ago prophesied. This was planned for the salvation of the world. And two, it reminds us that his death will not end in defeat. A victory is coming. Jesus is pointing to the reality that this moment that he is now living out is the very moment that all the prophets were looking to when God would save the world from its sin. The pulpit commentary says that he might show himself to be the very being to whom the words refer so that the Jewish scribes and people might examine and see the cause why he would not descend from the cross. Namely, because this very psalm showed that it was appointed that he should suffer these things. God is hanging on a cross dying, but God is not surprised by this death. It was his plan to save you and to save me. Now this is difficult to understand as Christians, we believe in this theological idea that we refer to as the Trinity. That is that God is one being in three persons. And as I often say when I preach and talk about the Trinity, today I'm not going to try to explain what that looks like or how that all works. But we believe that the Father is God and Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God and they're all one single God. They're all one and now here we read this crazy thing about God the Father separating from God the Son. We don't know what that looks like. It feels so weighty and so heavy and so important, but, but what does it all mean and what does it all look like? There's this story of Martin Luther sitting down and, and engaging this psalm and trying to figure it out. And then he gets up and he declares this loudly, God forsaken of God, who can understand that? Who can understand that? We can't even understand what this idea looks like. We, we couldn't draw this on a piece of paper really. But it's the exact declaration that God is forsaking God. And gold from Golgotha, it points out further why this is a difficult thing for us to understand as Jesus hangs there and, and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That book says one would need to go to hell itself and go free from the taint of personal sin and, and be the holy son of God to understand it. Thank God our Savior has made it forever unnecessary to experience or understand his fourth word from the cross. We can never understand what it means to be separated entirely, utterly, fully from God. But that is what Jesus is experiencing on the cross. But just because it's incomprehensible in its fullness to us, it does not mean that there are not important truths that we must grasp from it. And so I would ask you to first notice the question, why? It's interesting that there's no answer from heaven here. The father does not respond to Jesus' question, why have you forsaken me? Before, in other stories of Jesus' life, God has declared Jesus as beloved son, but here the heavens go silent. But this question why is important on just a 
practical and personal level. I read this story about a famous pastor that lived long ago, Dr. Joseph Parker, and his wife died, and the next Sunday, when he was getting up to preach, everybody, of course, was wondering what he was going to preach on, and he began by preaching on Jesus' words from the cross, Jesus' force saying from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his explanation was this, he was grateful that there was a why in the heart and on the lips of Jesus. We all wonder why sometimes. Why is God allowing for the coronavirus to cause this, uh, this pandemic that is spanning the globe? Why uh, are we separated from each other right now? Why do I have pain and hurt and struggle? Why did God allow for your loved one to die? Why did God allow for you to get sick? Why has God allowed for you to have cancer? Why? And what is so incredible about this why is that it was uttered in order that in eternity you will no longer have to ask why in this way anymore. This why was asked so that you could spend eternity in the presence of God in all perfection and all holiness and all goodness and you will never have to experience ever again anything where you feel the need to turn your attention to God and say, why did you allow this to happen? Because Jesus uttered this why, you will never have to ask why in eternity. That is beautiful. But I'd also ask you to notice the word forsaken. This is a compound word in Greek. It's made up of three words, to leave, down, and in. Uh, Kenneth West tries to get to the meaning of this, and he says, it's forsaking someone in a state of defeat or helplessness in the midst of hostile circumstances. We can't understand how God could forsake God. How, how the Father could reject utterly, quarantine himself from the Son. But we do understand that this speaks volumes into the exact suffering that Jesus is feeling when he is hanging from the cross. Jesus was completely cut off from the Father. He was quarantined from him. He could no longer be with him. All had forsaken him and now his father in heaven, the God of the universe, has turned his face away. And the question becomes, why? And here's the answer. We all deserved to be separated from God for eternity. Now, when I say that, I know that for a lot of people that thought, it doesn't even, it doesn't even resonate anywhere in kind of our uh, emotional sphere. We don't even consider for a moment what it would be like to be separated from God, but we should all fear it. None of us have been totally forsaken by God. You may feel like God has rejected you. You may feel like God is far from you. You may even have become a person who has rejected God, or maybe you've spent the entirety of your life trying to forsake God. But know this, all of us live under the state of grace where God is near to us in some ways right now. And Jesus in this moment doesn't have anything from God. But that's what all of us 
deserved. We all deserve to spend eternity without the blessings that God gives us. This is such a scary idea that the words used in the Bible for it are are frankly terrifying. Outer darkness or a lake of fire. And this outer darkness, this lake of fire, this complete and utter separation from God is exactly what Jesus faces on the cross. Uh, Wikipedia, quoting from a reflection from, and I, I did not know this, uh, this part of Christianity existed for, before this, so forgive me, but a reflection from the Ukrainian Orthodox Greek Catholic Church says this, while the nails in the wrists are putting pressure on the large median nerve and the severely damaged nerve causes excruciating pain, the Lamb of God experiences the abandonment of the soul by God a deeply excruciating pain that is the essence of eternal condemnation in hell. F.W. Krumacher says, How much rather would I lie prostrate on my face in silence before this awful incident than write or speak on it? When Jesus declares, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he asks this question, He is feeling the full and utter wrath of God that each and every one of us deserved. I think about how right now we are separated from people and I hate the idea of my friend's parents being separated. I hate the idea of of my friend's dad being separated from his daughter. I know their relationship, their closeness, the way she hugs him, the way he interacts with her. I hate the thought of that separation. I hate knowing that right now for the first time in my life, I can't just go see my grandma if I want to, and my grandpa, and my uncle. I can't just go do that. That's sad. I hate my grandma's idea that she may never see us again. Grandma, if you're listening, I think you're totally wrong. But, uh, but I hate that idea. But what should scare us more is the idea of being separated eternally from God. And what Jesus is doing in this moment is feeling the full weight of being separated from all the love and the joy and the peace and the goodness that we experience on this earth. All of it is a gift from God. And Jesus is being separated. He is, in this moment, separated from all of it. And he is doing that. He is allowing for that to happen. He is feeling the weight of hell. He is feeling... He is feeling this quarantining from God his Father in order that you don't have to be separated from God ever again. So that you can come into the family of God, so that you can be in the presence of God, so that you can experience all the love and the goodness and the grace and the hope and the peace that God wants you to experience. The Bible makes a huge deal about this, as you can imagine. It's the central theme of Scripture in many ways. And I want to read you several verses today that describe exactly what Jesus is doing when when he is rejected by God, exactly what Jesus is suffering when he is being rejected by God. It starts all the way back in Isaiah 53, 4 through 7. Surely he will look up, he he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet... We considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24 says, But he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. In the moment which we encounter Jesus for saying from the cross, Jesus is bleeding and dying on that cross so that we might be saved from the sins that we have committed. This is the story that we believe as Christians. Each and every one of us has rejected God. We've forsaken God, but God did not want to forsake us. And so Jesus came down. He was born of a virgin. He lived perfectly without sin And at the end of that sinless life, he was unjustly arrested and tried and then beaten, mocked, tortured, and nailed to a cross. And he was rejected by God, forsaken by God, in order that we would not have to be. The cross is just a symbol for something far worse. Jesus did not just die a brutal and terrible physical death. The cross is a symbol of what is happening spiritually to Jesus. The cross is a symbol for the fact that Jesus is paying the price of hell for you and for me. The cross is a symbol that Jesus was forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. There's this thing that happens A little while later, after Jesus has finally breathed his final breath, there's this thing that happens that I think is so important to what Jesus cries out here and and so important to what we are experiencing today. There's this curtain that hangs in the temple where the people experienced God's presence. And this curtain was blue or purple, fine linen, And and it separated the people from the very presence of God. The people could be here. God was here. They could not see him like you cannot see my hand right now. But because Jesus is forsaken, because Jesus is separated from God the Father, this incredible thing happens when he breathes his final breath. The temple's curtain is torn in two. The symbolism says to us, you no longer have to be separated from God because Jesus chose to be separated from God on your behalf. We know now more than ever before what it feels like to be separated from each other. But we don't know what it's like to be eternally separated for Jesus and we don't have to because Jesus paid the price of hell on the cross. I read this story of an old fisherman man and his pastor looked at him and said, what did Jesus do for you? And he gave a simple and beautiful answer. He simply said, he swapped with me. Jesus was quarantined from his father so that we didn't have to be. 
As Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is totally and utterly separated from the Father in heaven. He is separated from all the good that the world has to offer completely. This is terrible, but what makes it great is that him doing it allowed for you and I to enter into a relationship with God. There's two things that I just want to say to you pastorally before I finished. Uh, the first is, that, man, I, I have no idea who's watching this right now. When I preach to our congregations on, on, congregation on Sunday morning, I can look out and I know if I'm talking to somebody who has not given their life to Jesus or not. I don't know you maybe. I, don't, I literally might not know you right now. But whoever you are and wherever you are, I want you to know this. Jesus died in order that you might have a relationship with God that lasts for eternity. You should fear the anguish that Jesus felt on the cross. You should fear being separated from God for eternity. But you don't have to. All you have to do is embrace the gift that Jesus offers here by taking your place on the cross, by taking the punishment of hell for you. Embrace it, believe it, embrace it, and then give your life to Jesus. If you'll do that, you will never have to be separated from God. I don't know if you're lonely right now, if you're stuck in your home, if you're missing interactions with people, but I can tell you this, if you'll give your life to Jesus, you can have, you can have a relationship with him that starts now and lasts forever. Give, please, give your life to Jesus so that you never have to feel what Jesus felt on the cross. But for many of us that are Christians, many of you who are listening right now or watching this, I want you just to remember how incredible Jesus is how amazing it is that Jesus would be forsaken so that you could be forgiven. I want you to celebrate Jesus no matter how scared you are right now, no matter how worried you are, no matter how anxious you are. I want you to celebrate the work of Jesus. I want you to worship Jesus now and forever. But I also want to remind you that while maybe you can't go out and see the people that you love, Maybe you are segregated and separated from people that you would like to hang out with. You have an incredible gift as a Christian. You can interact with the God of the universe. Uh, the, the veil has been torn. The curtain has been ripped in half. And no matter where you are stuck right now in life, you can be with God. And it's all because Jesus chose to be separated from his father. I hope that whether you came into this sermon watching this live stream this morning as a Christian or not a Christian that you would know without a doubt and you would celebrate with, with sincerity the fact that Jesus was forsaken so that you might be forgiven. Let me pray that you'll do just that. Lord, this is perhaps the most stunning words in the entire Bible, God. It is incredible that you, Jesus, being God yourself, would be separated from your Father. Like I said, God, I don't even know what that looks like. 
I don't know how to work that out, God, logically or theologically even. But I'm so thankful that it happened. And while this moment is dark, both physically and spiritually, Lord, it is the very reason that I have light in my life. And I pray, God, for every person who is watching online, that, God, they would have light too because they would accept you as their savior. And not only would they accept you as their savior, but they would worship you, God, for this moment and for all the moments that you lived on our behalf and all the moments that you spent dying on our behalf. Lord, if there's people watching that are not Christians, draw them into a relationship with you, God. I do not want them to spend eternity separated from you. Draw them into a relationship with you. And for your sons and daughters, God, who are facing unprecedented moments in our history, I pray that they would have hope and joy because they know, God, that no matter how separate they are from each other, they can be with you. I pray we would take advantage, God, of the time that we, that we have at home right now, God, we take advantage of it by spending more time with you, by spending more time focused on you. And finally, I just want to say thank you, God, for doing this. I want to say thank you, Lord, for being forsaken so that we might be forgiven. I pray all these things only by the power of what you did in this story we've looked at today. And in your holy name, Jesus, amen.